eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo, one of the analysts at 24-7 Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in once again this week as we continue to add to this new feed. Remember to rate, subscribe, and leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. And please get your recruiting questions into that review section for a chance to have it answered on an upcoming mailbag episode featuring our team of national recruiting analysts. On today's show, we're going to visit with two of those analysts, Rusty Manziel, who will break down a massive few days for the Georgia Bulldogs, including the commitments of Dylan Fairchild and JT Daniels. And Rusty also shares what he's seen during recent workouts in the state of Georgia as the country begins its next phase of reopening. So it's a lot of interesting stuff there. We're also going to catch up with recruiting analyst Gabe Brooks to look at some of the interesting trends and shifts in the state of Texas. Uh, the schools such as Texas, Baylor, and A&M all sit among the top 25 currently in the composite team recruiting rankings, and Gabe shares his take on who could make a splash in the 2021 class. We'll also go inside a recent crystal ball forecast that Gabe put in in favor of an in-state school, but several SEC programs also remain in the mix. But first, let's begin with the kickoff. The Pac-12 has been down in recent years as a lot of Western recruits have been leaving the region for other conferences, but could there be a heavyweight battle brewing between a pair of programs that are aiming for potential top 10 finishes? Yeah, we're talking Oregon and USC. The Ducks landed four commitments in the span of three days last week, highlighted by four-star tight end Moliki Matavao, who chose Oregon over the likes of Penn State and Georgia and UCLA and a few other programs. And now USC appears to be on the verge of some major headlines in the next week as well. The Trojans are trending for four-star quarterback Miller Moss, who's one of the top uncommitted prospects at his position in the country. And they also seem to be trending for Texas tight end Lake McGree and Las Vegas receiver Michael Jackson. So Oregon's coming off a Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl victory. And now they have the nation's number 10 class, while USC is number six in the rankings and has been recruiting at a different level than they were last year when they finished 10th in the Pac-12. So the expectation right now is that there will be a lot of recruit movement once visits are permitted once again and coaches are able to hit the road to recruit and evaluate and, and meet with recruits in person. Uh, but for the time being, it seems like it's going to be interesting to monitor and, and definitely going to be a, a fun battle to watch between USC and Oregon as they continue to push and, and try to keep a lot of the West Coast talent closer to home. 
All right, shifting gears here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We're joined by a special guest, Rusty Manziel. He is our recruiting analyst in the state of Georgia, covers the Georgia Bulldogs as well. Rusty, how are you doing, sir? Good, man. It's been a good day at the lake. Uh, nice weather here in Georgia. You know, it's been it's been a crazy spring despite everything else. There's been a ton of rain in Georgia, but uh, the last you know week or so has been kind of cool, but I think summer arrived the last couple of days. We pushed 90 in Georgia with that humidity and uh, got on the lake today and had a good time with the family and and uh, look forward to June 8th as the state opens up with high school football practices and can't wait to see some guys practice and work out. I like it. Getting out, getting out to get some sun. Um, obviously, it's been a weird time for a lot of people and and especially in the recruiting game. And that's what we deal with. Right. We're so used to being out at camps. We're out. Uh, we're out at showcases. We're, we're visiting colleges. We're seeing recruits during spring practices that that all has been shut down from a national standpoint. I know in Georgia, there have been some workouts. There have been, you know, some events that you've been able to go out to. Uh, what's that been like? How, how have you kind of noticed recruits adjust to, to the new times? Well, we opened up on May the 1st. Obviously, Georgia was the first state and we kind of opened up small and right or wrong. You know, I'll just be just be blunt with you. A lot of people in Georgia did not stop training. Now, for the about three weeks during this time, there was complete stop, and even the trainers stopped. But once we opened the state up, I kind of made a decision that I was going to wait two weeks to see how things were going, see how things were going to – the numbers were going to look like. And uh, about May 13th or 14th, I know I was the last time on the road was March the 12th. So the next time I was on the road, I think, was May the 13th. And went down and watched, you know – 30 kids work out. It was kind of kind of different because Jared Garantano, uh, Harrison Bailey, you know, a lot of the college kids were down working out with these kids. So I got a chance to watch them. Uh, then I went to watch uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Brock Vandergriff. Those guys throw. It was actually Justin Fields' last uh, session with his quarterback coach, Ron Veal, uh, before he left that afternoon to go back to Ohio State. So in Georgia – uh, things have been, I would say, a lot more normal than other places. Um, you know, right or wrong, the numbers have, have trended down. And, you know, parents are making decisions to let their kids train. I haven't seen anything crazy. The numbers, there's there's some numbers there. You know, you're talking about 60 or 70 kids, but not 300 kids where I have seen before. Right. You know, it's been kind of a smaller deal. But, you know, these guys are kind of conscious – there's been no seven on sevens. There's been no camps. These are workout sessions. So, uh, you know, I, I made the constant decision. I talked with 24-7. They were okay. They said, listen, you know, don't be, you know, don't be talking to parents and don't, you know, try to keep your social distance. So I went to the middle of the field and those type of things. But it's really, really been, it's really picked up. And then, like I said, June the 8th in the state of Georgia, there's a protocol. High school football practices will begin again. And um, you know, like I'll be covering it for for twenty four seven sports. I'm looking forward to it. I know, obviously, that you mentioned it. Everyone is is being a bit more cautious, and and I have seen it. You know, when recruits are are working out or or prospects are competing against each other in some of these events, uh, I see a lot of hand sanitizer. I see the, sure. the wipes to wipe down the football. I think it is 
uh, it is done in in good form, you know, per se. Like you said, there isn't. We're, there hasn't, we're all learning. We're all and, learning. And there hasn't been that 400 person camp, right? There hasn't no, been no, a, a huge no. gathering. It's been uh, very meticulous workouts where guys are going in in groups, and and it's been good to see. And and you know, hopefully that continues to trend towards that as we head into the summer. Uh, big time week for Georgia. Uh, I, that's the main reason why I wanted you to get. Wow. I, as much as I love to talk about the lake and and about you getting. <laughs> some sun rays georgia came in you know to to this week uh on on a serious high let's start first with the commitment that they got from four-star offensive lineman dylan fairchild what, what are the bulldogs getting in fairchild and and how did this go down well you know this one this one is definitely i think a benefit for georgia with kids not taking visits because you know, this young man is crazy because I saw him play last August, and I'll be straight, blunt, honest. Didn't have a clue who he was. Uh, they were getting beat 34 to nothing at halftime. I called my coworker, Kip Adams, and said, hey, there's a kid here on this team. Tell me what – you know, Kip was at home. I said, tell me if you know anything about this kid. We kind of did a little bit of research, found out the kid had a South Carolina offer back in the summer. But we were there to see Michael Morris, who winds up being an All-American, one of the top players in the country uh, for the 2021 class, offensive lineman. and uh, you know, I just told Kip, I said, this kid's playing very, very hard. It's a big, good-looking kid. Come to find out, Dylan Fairchild is one of the best wrestling prospects in the country. He was 47-0 and 0 this year in the state of Georgia as the 7A heavyweight champion. Uh, he's 265 pounds during the season. He's, he carries 295 in the offseason. He's a very high academic kid. Um, you know, for 24-7, I'm kind of a guy that can get information uh, that's kind of my deal. So I checked around with some places and we got confirmed measurements. Uh, when we found out that he was 295 legit, we also found out he had a 33 and a half inch arm. We knew this guy was a little bit different. And and, and Charles Powers and our guys that uh, make those final decisions were like, man, this guy checks a lot of boxes. He can play multiple positions. You know, he could play tackle at Jordan. He's probably legit NFL combine 6'4". Uh, so he might slide inside. He could obviously play center if it got down to it. But all the things that we kind of covet and all the things that we kind of consider uh, those those important intangibles, this young man's got it. Uh, and he plays – and to be honest with you, the wrestling is a big deal because that, it's not so much uh, the le- – people talk about leverage and all that kind of stuff. With wrestling, it's more work ethic. It's more that this guy has a switch to be a dominator. And then when you throw in the fact he's 47-0 and 0 in the biggest division, the hardest division in the state of Georgia, you kind of use that term that everybody uses, like this guy's a dog, and his best days are ahead. He didn't play on a great high school team, and you know he just kind of blossomed and blew up. And I think – he told me. He told me in our interview. He said, look, Georgia – I really wasn't feeling Georgia, but Matt Luke comes in and recruits him really, really hard offers him in January and can things kind of really took off from there. And uh, just another important piece of the puzzle, but for Georgia two already two all American prospects that's going to play in Texas in our game, Michael Morris from Camden County, who is still uh, 17 years old. Uh, excuse me. He's still 16 years old at six foot five, 320 pounds. And then you throw in Dylan Fairchild. So there's two, of what I would think the Georgia fans consider the Fab Four with Terrence Ferguson and Amarius Mims, uh, the five-star offensive tackle out of Blakely County. So Georgia is trying to go four for four in the state. 
so far, Matt Luke is two for two. Yeah, Matt Luke building uh, some beef up front, and 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 who is that beef going to be protecting? And, and now <laughs> it, it could be JT Daniels. Sure. The, the Georgia Bulldogs go out west once again, continue that momentum that they have out on the West Coast after what they did last year, getting the the five star tight end Darnell Washington out of the state of Nevada. They got a big time running back Kendall Milton out of the state of California, as, as well as Jermaine Burton from Southern California. They went into Arizona and got five-star cornerback Keely Ringo, and now they enter the transfer portal and get JT Daniels, who leaves USC. He's going to be playing his his next college ball in the SEC. What do you make of that? How realistic is it that he could be suiting up for the Georgia Bulldogs coming uh, up this, this next season? You know, when all that broke Thursday, I kind of – the first real rumblings I heard were Wednesday night. You know, I really didn't have time to do what I needed to do to try to investigate that. Uh, I'll tell you this. So after that, all that broke and we kind of got through that, I started immediately making calls to find out, hey, what are what is the prognosis here? Has his, how is his knee? What is the eligibility deal? I heard every – the worst case I heard was 50-50. Okay, the worst case I heard 50-50, but – Several sources that I use a lot were like, he's got a really good chance. Now, what he is what he is filing on, probably you'll never know. You'll never know. And like you know, Justin Fields, what he filed on from Ohio State, that'll never, that'll never, you'll never know, probably. Tate Martell, same thing. If Tate Martell got eligible as well. I do know that he is lawyered up and he has a an attorney representing him. So, you know, everybody I talk to says that he has a very good chance to be eligible. We're going to find out. You know, I'm not, I can't go on the table yet. I'm just telling you the consensus of what I'm hearing is most people believe he has a better than a 50-50 chance to get there. So you have to anticipate if he does, then what happens between him and Jamie Newman, which would be, you know, when is he, when is he going to be healthy enough? You know, I've heard, I've heard things from the end of September to the end of August to maybe into October. So, you know, there's that variable. But as far as being healthy, uh, I mean, as far as being eligible, sounds like he's got a, a fairly decent shot to win this appeal. I, I don't know much about Newman, obviously being a, a West Coast guy, but I do know a lot about JT and and, and kind of his process and how he's gone about things. You know, started the, the three years at Modern Day, graduates early uh, from Modern Day to go to USC, starts right, you know, right, right away from day one. So from a mentality standpoint, I think Georgia is getting a prospect that isn't going to be afraid to step into that limelight right away. Um, so if it does come down to that, right, to, to have a transfer quarterback that is immediately eligible and has to be ready from day one, I think when you look at the transfer portal and the candidates that were in there, JT Daniels is by far probably the guy that I would go with as, as, as the guy that could be ready from day one. So Georgia's getting a, you know, a guy there that, that is going to be very motivated. Uh, obviously, things didn't shake out the way he wanted to at, at hometown USC. Um, but now he he has a lot to prove and, and a point to prove in the SEC. Before we let you go, Rusty, I, I did want to touch on on Georgia's chances 
of, you know, maybe repeating as the number one recruiting class here in, in 2021. The, the cycle right now, as things stand, it looks like Ohio State might be uncatchable, but you were saying off air, that's what we thought about Clemson in the 2020 class. What, what, I mean, what, I, yeah. What's your outlook? You know, this time last year, I mean, I was not sugarcoat. I was telling the people on 24 on, on the dogs 247 site, listen, listen, Georgia could have a very good class. They're not catching Clemson. They would have to hit on everybody. And they hit on everybody, you know, and, and the, the way they finished with Keely Ringo and Darnell Washington, you know, all those guys, Jermaine Burton was the one that kind of put them over the top. You know, Jermaine Burton at this time last year wasn't the guy that anybody was considering that he was going to end up in Georgia. Uh, then all of a sudden, Aaron Smith pops up. So, you know, I don't know that there's enough – kind of meat on the bone because they've lost a couple. They lost Jordan Hancock, Baron Carter, you know, already to Clemson. That was a couple of big-time prospects in the state of Georgia. They were very heavily trying to get in on. Uh, you know, they got a kid named Smile Munden who's a five-star, probably number one player in the state. Amarius Mims, is, if not number one, he's number two player in the state when it's all said and done. So I think for Georgia, it's going to be very hard. It would be, in my opinion, it would be very difficult for them to catch Ohio State. I feel fairly certain that at the end of the day, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson, again, are going to be somewhere in that four uh, as far as how they're going to shake out. I don't know. But uh, the, those, those four teams continue. Uh, you, look at, you look at, you know, those four teams, and then you throw in an LSU every now and then. Uh, you know, Tennessee's off to a really good start right now. I don't know, you know, where they're going to shake out in the end, but they've had a really, really good last month and a half. So uh, I just think that Georgia, if Georgia fans really just say, look, it's about adding the right guys and under Kirby Smart, they've added the right guys. So I don't see this class being any different now. Could it be two, three, four, maybe even five? Probably in that range. But as far as number one, I think the, the chances are slim that they're going to repeat. Uh, but I think the chances are still really, really good. They're going to have a really, really highly rated recruiting class. Georgia right now, number three in the average rating per commit behind only Ohio State and Clemson and I mean, just, no and just yep. ahead of Alabama. So it's going to be an interesting next few months heading into whenever the early signing period may be, Rusty. Thank you so much, Rusty, for joining us. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time away from the lake to, to hang out with us. <laughs> Thank you, Blair, for having me, man. Thanks a lot. All right, that's Rusty Manzel. You could follow him on Twitter at Manzel247. He is a recruiting analyst in the state of Georgia covering everything for 24-7 sports. Stay right here. We're about to catch up with Gabe Brooks to talk about the great state of Texas. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We're back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, joined by a, a very special guest, first-time guest, Gabe Brooks. He covers the Midlands for us at 24-7 Sports, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, the great state of Oklahoma. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Thanks for having me. 
not too bad. And, and, and no, thanks for joining us. This, you know, I've said it before, this show is, is our show. It's, it's the entire 24 seven sports team of analysts. And you have such a vast area to cover so many different uh, schools and and states and, and prospects, but you had a really interesting deep dive into the state of Texas, the, the great state of Texas, where you dissected from, I guess, the start of the modern recruiting era, how things have, have gone and how things have shifted and, and growing trends, growing momentum. Uh, give, give the listener kind of an overriding thought or, or, or maybe theme that you drew out of your, your research. So uh, I used the, the 2010 cycle as like the original, uh, the, the starting point, because that's, that's the, the frame of reference as far as a context standpoint, uh, starting with the 24-7 sports, uh, sports rankings era, so to speak. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's a decade strong. Yes. So you go back a decade and um, really the, the – big points, the plot points, I would say, uh, is that the more recent we get, the more out-of-state success uh, schools from out-of-state have in recruiting Texas. Uh, The the, kind of the baseline from uh, 2010 to 2016, uh, there was a higher rate of of in-state four and five stars uh, signing with in-state schools. and, and that 2017 class kind of turned the tide. That was a class that uh, Ohio State had a, a big impact on that class. They signed Jeff Okuda, Baron Browning, J.K. Dobbins, all out of Texas in that class. And since 2017, the uh, there have been more uh, four- and five-star kids from Texas to go out of state uh, than, than stay in state. And that's – uh, I, I don't really see that changing anytime soon, um, especially with what we're seeing, you know, on a, a smaller sample size, a micro scale, this 2021 class and particularly uh, just within the past couple of months, the numbers have shifted from overwhelmingly in-state commitments to uh, out-of-state, uh, to a slight edge of out-of-state commitments uh, from from the decision, the the commitment decisions that have been made in the last uh, two months. You had a, a very good question that you posed at the end of, of that article and, and at the end of, of your research. And it was, you know, is the country as a whole or other conferences or are some of these out of state programs prioritizing Texas more or is is schools or are Texas schools prioritizing the country more, right? So I guess, you know, in a nutshell, as more kids, as more of these top prospects from the state of Texas leave the state, they're not going to these in-state schools. It obviously opens the window, opens the avenues for these in-state schools to then have to fill their recruiting classes with with prospects from from outside the region uh and your answer was yes and yes right so not only uh, are other parts of the country now going and diving into texas a little bit more but then you also have the texas schools also broadening their approach and and really targeting other states you know i i saw being a west coast guy i, I saw the texas longhorns the oklahoma sooner schools in, in your region 
uh, and, and in the Big 12 coming after prospects in the West on the West Coast, not only California, but, you know, Arizona. They've been recruiting the state of Nevada pretty heavily. Uh, I know they go up to, to the state of Washington. So I think those are very interesting dynamics in play right now. Yeah, and to, to speak to the other, you know, the, the schools from not only out of state, not just the nearby out of state schools like LSU and Arkansas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but if, if you look at offer lists from the Pac 12 and the Big Ten, uh, you know, even the SEC East and, and increasingly ACC, I don't have the hard numbers in front of me. I would say that the ACC was behind the others in emphasizing Texas, but it, that is starting to change and they're kind of catching up with everywhere else. But the PAC 12 in particular, uh, you, you probably know as well as I do, it's hard to find a school in the PAC 12 that does not heavily recruit Texas. Uh, the big 10 has really gotten that way. I mean, it, it, and it's not just Ohio state. It's not just Michigan. Northwestern signs multiple Texas guys most cycles. Nebraska recruits Texas. Uh, Michigan State, since Mel Tucker took over, they're recruiting, uh, offering Texas kids left and right. Um, you know, uh, the 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 big, the really high profile big name brands like Ohio State and Alabama. Um, you know, those, of course, they're recruiting Texas, but you're also seeing um, other P5 schools. Uh, really hit Texas hard. Colorado, I mean, they had a, a class a couple of cycles ago, I think, where they signed seven Texans, and that included LaVisca Chenault Jr. and Katie Nixon. And um, they're just, they're a perfect example of a school that knows that it can live in that, um, you know, the, 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 the mid three to low four star range, because there's just so many kids in Texas, you can really make a living uh, finding guys in that range. And if you know how to develop them, you can turn them into NFL players. Yeah, I think there's enough to go around. And I think that's what colleges have started to realize. We're joined by Gabe Brooks, who covers the great state of Texas, as well as Louisiana, Arkansas and Oklahoma for 24 seven sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Gabriel D Brooks. So you went full name on your Twitter handle. Yeah. So when I, uh, when I started my Twitter, I was, uh, a, a newspaper sports writer. Like I was traditional print media. So I felt like I needed to have a more official, uh, byline on that handle. <laughs> a birth name, right? Gabriel yes, exactly. D Brooks. Um, so that, that's his Twitter handle. Let's get him over 15,000 followers. That'll be our, 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 uh, our big aim this week. Uh, Gabe, you know, now diving into the, the rankings currently, there's three programs in the state of Texas that are currently in the top 25 for the 24 seven sports composite team rankings. We've got Texas at number 16 currently as of recording. Baylor is at 20 and A&M is at 24 of those three. Do you envision any of those schools? You know, I I know a lot of it has to do with how the season will play out. You know, a lot of these recruits are are paying attention to on-field results and and maybe the trajectory of a program, but based on how things stand currently and maybe some trends that you're noticing, 
do you envision either Texas, Baylor, or or A&M maybe making a jump up into the top 10? How many can we expect to end, eventually end up maybe in that top 15 range? You know, it's tough because there, there are some – there are a lot of guys in Texas um, who are committed already. You know, like Donovan Jackson's a five-star guy who is – an example of one of these kids going out of state he's committed to Ohio state. Um, but there, there's, there, there, there's a decent number of high profile guys who could shift the rankings a good bit. You know, Texas, um, they're in on Tommy Brockermeyer, uh, you know, our number one player in Texas, five-star offensive tackle. Obviously that would be a big shift if they could land him, but it looks like they're, uh, in a you know a pretty big battle with Alabama, the the crystal ball is split between Texas and Alabama. Um, you know they're in on L.J. Johnson, but L.J. Johnson, Texas A&M, uh, top running back in Texas in the top two four seven rankings. A&M has a you know a hundred percent of the crystal ball right now for L.J. Johnson. So those are examples of of high profile guys that could shift the rankings one way or the other for Texas or Texas A&M. Um, but also, you know, it kind of ties in with what we were just talking about, the in-state, out-of-state thing. Um, you know, two cycles ago, Texas signed almost as many out-of-state players as in-state players. Uh, their 2020 class went back the other way with heavy in-state. But Texas A&M in the 2020 cycle signed more out-of-state players than in-state players. And I'm, I'm pretty much – positive that's never happened texas a&m and texas both historically have uh gotten the you know the vast majority of their players from within state borders but um you know along the lines of what we were talking about that seems to be changing and you know it, it may not be every single cycle but it may depend on what what needs they have in each cycle and uh you know, I'll admit I don't know quite as much about the targets that each of those schools have outside of my region, but I think that you know A&M has nine commits and they're in the top 25. I would think that uh, the type of players that they're going to be in on down the stretch run of the cycle, they have uh, a pretty good shot of of top 15 ish and maybe cracking that top 10. Um, Texas. You know, they have – they're uh, number 16 with 11. So, um, there's room in these classes to get up into that top 10, I think. Uh, it's just going to depend on, you know, the, the who it is filling out these classes. Yeah, and, and like you said, all we have really to go off of is maybe some of these – you know, rankings in terms of their averages, right? And how many commits they have and, 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 and the type of recruit that they are targeting. Um, before we let you go, Gabe did want to do our favorite, you know, kind of concept or, or aspect of this podcast. And that's inside the crystal ball. You put one in recently for four-star receiver Keytrain Jackson from Roy City, Texas. Uh, you put it into TCU, but your confidence level from one to 10 is very low. Yeah, and this is one that I don't think anything's imminent. It's just uh, kind of my feeling on where things are, getting uh, input and feedback from various sources I trust. I, I think that you know, he named like a top 14 recently. Um, you know, as, as we all know in, in the recruiting business, we know that when there's a 10 or a, a top 10 or a top 12 or a top 14, whatever, 
there's really a handful of schools that are the real contenders. Uh, I think that Arkansas and TCU are probably at the top of the board. You know, Arkansas has a couple of picks in from our, our uh, hogsports.com insiders, uh, Danny West and Trey Biddy, and, you know, they don't miss very – they don't miss very often on Arkansas targets. Um, you know, I have, a, I, like you said, the, the low confidence level. I think I have a three on my pick for TCU. But, you know, the justification behind that is I think that if it were to happen today, I think it would be TCU. I think Malcolm Kelly, uh, you know, former Oklahoma Sooner, great uh, NFL receiver, uh, he signed two pretty high-profile four-star receivers in the 2020 class in Quentin Johnston and Savion Williams. Um, you know, th- there's no doubt that Justin Stepp, the receivers coach at Arkansas, has done a very good job developing a relationship with Keetron Jackson. Uh, but I think Malcolm Kelly has as well. Uh, I think those are the top two. I think another school that you can't uh, rule out of the discussion is Baylor with associate head coach Joey McGuire, a former uh, three-time state champion head coach at Cedar Hill in the Dallas area, uh, recruits the DFW Metroplex from Baylor and is uh, is as well-known as any college coach uh, on the recruiting trail in the state of Texas as there is. Um, I think LSU would have a good shot, but the question with LSU is a numbers game. Um, they already have a couple of pretty high profile guys committed and they have uh, a couple that are very high on their board within state borders, guys like Brian Thomas Jr. and Chris Hilton, who, you know, may very well be higher on their board than Keytron Jackson, as good as he is. And it may just be a numbers game, but uh, you know, you're breaking down those top four, top five. I would put Arkansas and TCU at the top. I think Baylor, is definitely one to watch. And I think, you know, LSU, depending on the numbers, um, could be a factor as well. Right. So Arkansas, TCU, LSU's in there, Baylor, uh, all in the, in the fight for Keytron Jackson, a four-star receiver from the state of Texas. Uh, thank you so much, Gabe, for joining us this week. Let's, let's hop on this again real soon. For sure. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, Gabe, we're getting very close to a mailbag episode. So I want to remind our listeners, if you've got recruiting questions, please put them in a five-star Apple podcast review. The goal will be to have enough questions for a full mailbag episode soon, where we'll discuss things in depth with the 24-7 sports team of analysts. So please get all your questions in. Again, you can follow Gabe at Gabriel D. Brooks, and you can follow me at Bangalo, B-A-N-G-U-L-O. Again, thank you for listening to the 24-7 sports football recruiting show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 